the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Bullington Capital Report, hosted by Bill Bullington. For the next hour, you'll receive information on current market conditions and trends that could affect your financial future. If you have a question, you can participate in today's program by calling 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0WHK. You can also reach Bill by going to his website, BullingtonCapital.com. And now, here's Bill Bullington. Well, welcome back. Very interesting week in the uh, stock market. Uh, financial markets all over the world. Everybody's wondering, you know, how long is this going to last? The uh, What is the recovery going to look like? And you've got all kinds of opinions out there, a lot of uh, information. It's unbelievable how much information there is, in fact. Very, very difficult to work your way all the way through it. But, you know, somebody's got to do it. <laughs> and uh, anyway, we've got a uh, pretty interesting show. I've got one of my... Uh, uh, the people that I work with, actually, he's, uh, his name is Brad Loheiser. He's actually an investment advisor, uh, lives in Con- Concord. He's going to be calling in later on today's show. He is actually part of our succession plan. I, I get that question occasionally, so I thought I would uh, just take some time to address it here. What happens if something happens to me um, between Brad and Gary and uh, Melissa? They could easily do everything that I'm doing because I've taken a lot of time over the years to work with them closely. They know exactly what we're doing. Uh, so if I got hit by a bus, uh, they would just step in and things would be just going on as, as normal. You just uh, be talking to somebody new who has very similar in, investment policies. And I think that's kind of uh, kind of interesting. I, not interesting, but it's, it's kind of um, necessary, actually. And uh, anyway, so he'll be calling a little bit later in today's show. If you'd like to call in, the number is 216-901-0945, 216-901-0945. If you have a question, uh, if you want to look at your own financial situation, you can always go to my website, and there's a contact us form there. There's a bunch of stuff on my website, in fact. I put a, I paid someone to put all this stuff there, a bunch of tools, and it's very, it's really nice. There's one that, uh, how long will your money last? Okay, so you can put that in there. How much will your 401k be worth if you keep saving it? They're, it's They've got that in there. There are actually tons of calculators that I had included on my website to try to help people out um, because this is a, the investment business, it's all about education. The whole thing is education. The reason that the average investor, if you look at Dalbar, the, the company that, I'm always referring to does the studies on all the investor behavior. The reason that the average investor doesn't do very well, it, it's pretty much, well, it's actually two things. The first thing, it's, it's a lack of solid information. Information that's stood the test of time. Uh, a lot of things that 
get passed around as you know common knowledge are actually not so knowledgeable. In fact, they're very damaging to your um, investments and your psyche. So we're dedicating ourselves at Bullington Capital to do a lot of educational stuff. I can't wait until we can get back and get another seminar going. I've been working like crazy. I've been working less since this has happened. I've been working more. <laughs> but that's okay. This is the, this is what I like to do. It's really what I like to do. And uh, it it's constantly changing. The markets are not the same as they were six or seven years ago. And if you go another six or seven years past that, they've changed a lot since then too. There are certain opportunities available today. Um, but when I say opportunity, you know, oftentimes people think that means get rich quick. No, that's not what I'm talking about. You know, getting rich quick, in order to do that, you have to take an enormous amount of risk. And if you take that risk, you, you can get wiped out pretty quickly. Let me give you a really good example. There's a fund that I was just reading about. Actually, I was reading about it because one of my clients called in and said, hey, this fund is up 4,000% this year. In the past 12 months, it's up 4,000%. Can you look into that for me? And I'm sure. See, that's part of full service. We kind of do that kind of thing. You know, if you have a uh, an account at another firm and you ask them, can you look into a fund that you're not managing? The answer is typically no. You know, but first of all, I'm curious. Secondly, I think it's it's a higher level of service. That's what we do. That's exactly what we do. The uh, so anyway, I looked it up because I'm thinking four thousand percent. What the heck? That's forty times, forty times the money. So then I look and I see the the fund has a five year track record, and it's up four thousand percent in the last twelve months. It's up two hundred sixty nine percent over five years. So. Do you know what? That, that is hilarious. If it's up 4,000% this year, but it's only up 269 in five years, that means it was down roughly 90%. <laughs> I was looking at that. I was going, holy, nine, I, I don't have that kind of risk tolerance. Okay. But if you want to hit one of those 4,000% years, that's what, that's the price you pay. You got to be willing to be down 90%. So you're up 4,000%, but if you started at the beginning of the fund, you're only up 269%. By the way, if you started a year before that, say one year before that, okay, and let's say that the, the fund was only two years old, the second year it has a 4,000% year, but you're only up 269%. That means you were down 90% in one year, <laughs> not over four or five years. But I, and I think the, actually that's a, um, uh, probably not as painful as somebody who's in the fund for the full five years and is down 90% over four years. You just see it going lower and lower. Do you know how many people probably actually stayed with that fund? I'm guessing the fund manager probably put, had a small amount of its money in there. <laughs> but the fund manager would have known the kind of risk he was taking, by the way. And, um, those are those funds. I like to call them uh, hundred-year event funds. There's a slang term around our industry about the hundred-year event, something that's only supposed to happen once every hundred years, like the stock market being down over fifty percent uh, in one year. 
That rarely happens. But the market cycles have a tendency to last for more than one year. So the, from peak to trough, the 50% declines happen multiple times in my career, in my lifetime. So that, that's why we uh, actually talk about that, because it's, it's risk. You know, when you're down 50%, how do you feel? You're down 50% after you've been watching it be, dropping for three years. How do you feel? That fund that we were talking about, it's down 90% after four years. How do you feel? <laughs> it's, uh, I think I was watching a, 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 no, I don't think I know. I was watching a video of Warren Buffett, and it was when he was younger, and he was talking about investing, and he said it, you know, put it very plain. That's one of the things I've actually really enjoyed about reading his, what he, he doesn't write, he hires writers, but he does, they're taking the material that he uh, gives them. I'm not sure if he dictates it or you know writes it and lets them clean it. I don't know. But anyway, I felt like he's actually shared a lot of, of good knowledge with people over the years. And I thought it was interesting watching this video. He was much younger. I think he was probably in his early 50s and maybe his late 40s, but spoke really fast relative to the way he speaks today. But he's still saying the same things, and the same things are still true. You know, It's more about temperament. And I think a lot of it is temperament. A lot of it's education. Because he grew up in a household where his father owned a brokerage firm. His grandfather had the largest general store. People... They don't even know what general stores are anymore. They think the general store, the publicly traded one, is the way that they all worked. Uh, they used to be these really big stores that had just about everything. That's why they called them general stores. They had hardware section. They had you could buy plates, glass. There are still like drug marts that kind of that kind of thing that used to be really popular. Well, his grandfather owned one of the biggest ones in Omaha, Nebraska, and so he came up uh, with. It. By the way, he went to Columbia for his MBA. Because Harvard turned him down. <laughs> he went to Columbia, studied under Ben Graham, the guy that uh, wrote a lot about value investing. And uh, the reason I'm, not, I'm thinking about all this stuff is because I was watching Jeff Bezos the other day. There was a little uh, video on YouTube, and he was talking about how Ben Graham, Warren Buffett's graduate school teacher, so these guys know each other. You know, It's interesting. What's really interesting is, is Warren Buffett, hasn't invested any money in Amazon. You would think that, you know, he would, but uh, there's a reason for that. I'll come back to that some other time, but uh, that's a good reason. But Bezos was talking about um, Professor Graham. Graham was a professor at Columbia. That's where Warren Buffett met him. It had a big impact on a young guy uh, shaping his investment philosophies. And uh, Ben Graham's often considered the fa- the father of value investing, all this stuff has changed a little bit, by the way, as time goes on and everything kind of changes a little bit. But uh, anyway, long story short, Jeff Bezos was talking about how in the short run, the stock market is a voting machine. In the long run, it's a weighing machine. If the company does very well over a long time period, the stock has a tendency to keep up with that. In the meantime, the share prices will fluctuate wildly. Even your so-called steady companies fluctuate wildly. So why do they do that? Are they going to stop when you decide to invest? Probably not. Even though we'd all like them to, we would like to be able to predict exactly what's going to happen and when. And when you buy a stock, 
That's oftentimes how people buy their stocks. They make a prediction. I think the stock's going to be here on this date. That is horrible. That's a, that's a really bad idea, by the way. That makes predicting the weather look easy. That makes predicting who's going to win next year's Super Bowl look easy. Okay. That's how difficult it is to make short term predictions. People think I make predictions all the time. A little bit later in today's show, I'm going to, uh, make an observation. That's, that's what I do is I make observations and everybody that's been successful in the stock market's kind of done the same thing. You know, Warren Buffett, Van Graham, they observe what's happening with these companies right now. Price is an issue when they go to make their purchase. They don't want to buy a good company and, and overpay too much for it because at that point in time, you know, they, they're probably not going to make any money or it could take them an incredibly long time period to be profitable. You can't just buy stocks and hang on to them. You've got to manage them. Now, Warren Buffett will say buy and hold. Ben Graham bought and hold for long, long time periods. When Ben Graham's stocks got overvalued, he would sell them. He managed it. Warren Buffett just started buying the whole company. <laughs> Big difference. You can When you buy the whole company, you get to keep all those profits that the company is generating. So if the profits slow down a little bit, yeah, okay, no big deal. Still profitable. And if you bu- if you bought it at a good price, still really profitable, and that's that's kind of a big deal. And the way that stocks behave is something that uh, I think needs to be taught. They, there should be some courses in this, actually in high school. They should put some high school courses out to teach people how stocks behave. I remember when I was in college, I was you know taking finance classes. There was one perfect particular professor I really liked a lot. So I took the uh, uh, a lot of his classes. And it was really interesting because he recommended this exercise that I went and, and done, uh, that I did. I, I became a member of the uh, National Association of Investment Clubs, NAIC. Uh, and by the way, during this time, wow, there were probably less than a thousand mutual funds uh, that were available. The... Uh, um, so anyway, I took this course. It was a uh, more helpful to me than any of the finance classes I was taking during that time period uh, because it actually forced you to go in, look at the company, look at their sales, look at their profit margins, look at their profits, and you would put that on a graph. Okay? And you would graph year by year sales, profits, and share price ranges. So the range of the share price. Now, during that time period, because I'm, I'm going to school, I'm you know struggling trying to get out. There's a lot of reasons. You're a Division One scholarship athlete. You don't have a life. You know, your your life is basically school and football. Yeah, that's it. That's your life. And uh, by the way, you want to get uh, somebody a little upset? Talk to a Division One athlete about the free scholarship they got the uh you will never work that hard <laughs> it, it should be against the law to work somebody that hard <laughs> we made less than minimum wage literally for the amount of time that we put in and by the way the time that we're putting in it's not like you're sitting behind a desk somewhere you're straining <laughs> both physically and mentally so i'll get off that that soapbox i've been on that for so long i, I, I know people wish i'd leave that alone but but anyway it was a little difficult. And what my point is, this lesson really 
hit home. And I think I was only about, oh, I wasn't that far from graduation when I took this. And I spent the money, was 35 bucks. I remember that exactly because back in those days, that was a lot of cash. And I got the course and I started looking at it and I'm going, hey, wait a minute. Why are these share prices fluctuating so much? Why do they go up and down so much when the business's sales and profits are not fluctuating anywhere near that amount? What the heck? <laughs> and it almost made me think, you know, I, I don't know about this investing thing. Yeah. Anyway, it's, it's kind of a big deal. So that's what the uh, um, benefit of, of having taken some time and looking at this stuff is. Now, a lot of that stuff's not available anymore, or it's just not, you know, people don't have time anymore. People really don't have time for much of anything. And this is why I think you probably got to need to get to these kids when they're in junior high. I really think you do. As stocks are going to fluctuate, they've always been incredibly volatile. They've never not been incredibly volatile. And many times they just don't make sense. The stocks just don't make sense. And uh, that's, that's kind of a big deal because if you understand that, that's what Ben Graham talked about. He talked about the stock market being manic depressive and he talked about the stock market as a person called Mr. Market. Mr. Market's manically depressive. Some days he's willing to pay unbelievably high prices for, to buy your stocks and, and others he'll just give them away for next to nothing. Anyway, I hear the music. That means I got to come up on a commercial break here. You're listening to Bill Bullington right here on 1420. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Hey, this is Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. If you'd like to set up a free Get Acquainted meeting uh, just to talk about your situation, feel free to go to my website and reach out to contact us there. And uh, Or you can go just call us, 330-664-0700. And uh, I'd, be, I'd be glad to talk with you. Yeah, there are so many things out there that uh, just, you know, it's so difficult to find um, the truth, actually. And uh, the truth is actually, you know, some people look at it and, and they want to reject it because they don't like the way that it's not. Like when I say, you know, trying to predict what's going to happen in the stock market over the next few months is impossible. And if you hack, if you happen to get it right, it was luck. Nobody wants to believe that. You know, it, it's not what they want to hear. And I understand that doesn't make it any less true. It, that's the truth. So you really have to develop a longer-term plan, a longer-term strategy. Thankfully, today, the tools have been created to make this a lot easier and a lot more effective. A lot easier and a lot more effective. We've got great tools now. Every financial advisor in the country has access to, to tools that I would have died for when I was young in my career. And... That's awesome. Now, it doesn't make the reality 
any easier. <laughs> the reality is stocks are going to fluctuate like a lot. Okay. But if you know that, and if you know how your investments should have a tendency to perform or have performed over long time periods, okay, now you're stacking the odds a little bit more in your favor. Notice I didn't say you're guaranteeing a successful outcome or you're guaranteeing you'll never lose money or you're guaranteeing a certain return. I wouldn't say that. First of all, I'm not allowed to because I know better and I'm a fiduciary. <laughs> That's actually the, the only reason is I know better and I'm a fiduciary. Yeah. So I guess those are two reasons, but, uh, but it's not, you know, it's not the end of the world. You can still reach your goals right now. Everybody's looking at the uh, stock market, trying to figure out where it should be. Don't do that. You know, figure out where you should be. And where you should be is highly dependent on what kind of risk that you're willing to take. This is where I'm going to part ways from my industry. My industry likes to use a single year's standard deviation as, a me- as the measure of risk. And they call it fluctuation, average fluctuation. That's what I've heard one of the biggest asset managers on the planet refer to this to. And I know what they're saying. And and quite frankly, I think that they're afraid that people wouldn't invest if they actually explained it the, the way that I do. But I'm here to tell you that you need to know this because if you don't know this, eventually you're going to find out through experience in the market. And because you wouldn't have expected it, you're going to be upset. You're not going to know. And even when I've told, uh, I've been talking about this since I started the radio program, which is 24 years ago. (laughs) Wow. I can't believe I'm that old. (laughs) But anyway, (laughs) so I've been talking about this a long time. There's a, uh, an average per year. Yeah. Okay. But see the stock market, what you really want to know is, What's the worst three-year performance? What would be the worst five-year performance? We call those rolling returns. And when you see that the stock market's been down 50% over a three-year time period, that's a little spooky. That's really spooky. So if you can't take that, uh, then you shouldn't be 100% in stock. And if you're not 100% in stocks, then your returns are going to be lower than the stock market. You're not going to match the stock market's returns. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Now, it might, over a short time period... That's what everybody loves to, to point out to me when bonds have done better than stocks over 12 or 18 months. My phone call, you know, my phone rings random listeners going, Hey, my bonds did better or I, my CDs did better than the stock market. Uh, yeah, but just give it time. Give it enough time and stocks probably are coming out ahead. Now there will be a point in time. Maybe I'm hoping to avoid this. Incidentally, there may be a point in time when all your major indexes, are overpriced. And if they're all overpriced, then I'm probably raising the amount of money that I have and I'm going to put it into short-term bonds or CDs. And I'll wait. I'll just wait it out. But Because at some point in time, you'll get the big drop. And that's what makes this uh, pretty challenging is, is this the time? And I'm going to tell you right now, no, this is not the time. This is not the time to go to cash. The time to go to cash, it wasn't even a few weeks ago. If you could have been perfect and if you could have predicted with a high degree of accuracy, then yes, you'd have gone to cash. If you would have used any one of the 
technical indicators in the Encyclopedia of Technical Indicators, which is about, I don't know, a thousand-page book right now, if you'd have used any of those, you wouldn't have been perfect. None of them are perfect. Could some of them add some value? Yeah, they could add value. But there's a challenge. If you're going to do better than an indexed investment, you're going to take on more risk. That's the bottom line. It's like the guy that called me and said, hey, look at this fund. It's up 4,000%. He didn't say it like that, by the way. In fact, it was an email and was very uh, um, non-emotional. I mean, I could tell by his writing. He said, can you look into this? So I looked into it. And the first thing I saw was the 4,000% one-year return. And the next thing I saw was a 269% return since the inception, which means at some point in time that fund was down, you know, at the beginning of the year, actually, it was down roughly 90% or so. <laughs> I'm rounding off. So, uh, yeah, I just pointed that out. Uh, it's a uh, kind of interesting. But if you could have put up with a 90% decline and there's no saying that it wouldn't go down further than that, sure, you could have made 4,000% in a year. By the way, you buy options on futures contracts that are slightly out of the money. That's typically what these guys are doing. And most of the time, those options expire worthless. And occasionally, you'll get a big drop that comes really fast like it did this year. And woohoo! you know, everybody makes money. So immediately, the average investor thinks, all I have to do, all I have to do is figure out when the next big drop is going to come. As if that's easy. (laughs) And if you... If you ever do figure that out, please let me know. Yeah, there are billion dollar hedge funds that, that went out, went bankrupt trying to figure that out, trying to do that. And because, you know, the odds are if you ever get one of those. And by the way, since we've had two 50% drops in, uh, one 20 year time period and you had a multiple, multiple drops of 20 to 30% over that same time period, um, if you have, the I don't know where if you if you've got the stamina, I can show you how to do what those guys were doing. <laughs> but I at this point in in time, and by the way, there's no guarantee that that's ever going to work again. That's the thing. There there's just no guarantees. But I'm here to tell you that things are not that bad. That economy the economy is going to snap back. It's not going to, uh, and maybe it comes out a little bit slower than we would like it to. It always comes slower than we would like it to. And that's nothing new. But people are still going to want to eat. They're still going to want to drive cars. They're still going to want to live in housing. And uh, still going to have kids. A lot of stuff. You just have to suck it up. um, Get with somebody who can talk with you. Get with somebody that you can speak with if you need to. Yeah, it's very few people, by the way, uh, have the knowledge, the information, the experience that don't look to someone else for support. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that. And, uh, in fact, that's what keeps me employed. i got to take a real quick phone call right now if you would like to call in. Numbers 216-901-0945. And uh, this says Junior or JR? Which JR, one? William. Hey, how you doing? All right, Professor Bullington, I have a question for you that I, I think is a little out in the distance, but I think it's uh, quite prurient to what's going on in the country now. I'm not asking you to handicap the individual players, but could you discourse on what happens if the Republicans control at least two houses versus the Democrats come the November 2020 elections? 
you know, we're obviously have a split government now, but yeah. what happens if things uh, go back to the, the D's? Do you perceive things will radically change the market? Uh, I don't know. I mean, and no one will know, by the way, until it's too late to do anything about it. True, true, but you must have a feeling of some sort. Would, I mean, Actually, I try no, I not think- to because I, you know, I feel a lot like Peter Lynch, somebody asked him about economics one time, and he and he and his answer was he didn't spend 15 minutes a year looking at economic reports, and when he did, he felt like he, he wasted the time. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. think about that. That guy was the greatest that's ever lived. He's telling, right. he's sending you a message. Okay, and in the United States, they teach economics as a standalone science in college. In other sure. countries around the world, they teach it as political economics because actually politics have a big impact on that. But what I'm saying is that there's, you know, there's nothing concrete enough to make a decision on. And you're, the odds of you being correct are never going to be more than 50 50. So you got to plan. Now, and in your plan, you look back through the history of this country, there have been all kinds of combinations of Republicans, Democrats, independents, different. You look back at it, and in the long run, stocks do pretty good, despite very, the fact of who's in there. And there is nothing that you can actually say that I've seen. And I stopped tracking this stuff a long time ago, but there was nothing that was actually showing you a trend, so to speak. So well, if, it does. Be, I, I, I'm sorry. It does. Or it did appear that when um, Bernie Sanders dropped out, that the market breathed a sigh of sigh of relief. But I don't think everybody anybody ever took him seriously, honestly. Yeah. Well, see what you're doing is you're looking at one particular instance. And if did you ever have to take statistics in college? Of course. Okay, then you know that that is horribly statistically insignificant. Yes, that's true. Yes. <laughs> now, what I'm going to ask you to do is call me when you see something that has a correlation coefficient of at least a point seven. Okay. And right. what you're going to find out is that those are very that those are actually like a Browns touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> They're out there, but there aren't very many of them. <laughs> all right. I, I mean. As far as uh, say say the Democrats control two or three of the uh, you know uh, see what you're doing you're going right back to the same thing Jerry you're going right back to the same thing you're looking at specific instances and you don't have a sample size and you don't have other uh, events that happened that occurred like this one to make a comparison so the bottom the bottom line is you know you could. Whatever you want to make up is probably going to have about the same probability. <laughs> just to, okay, well, trying to hedge one's bets. I just, from my own perception, I, I would think that there'd be a strong move to uh, change some of the uh, change some of the things that have happened over the last three or four years. Conversely, it would not affect the economy in a positive way. But that's strictly my well, man. You're really that. That's really stretching. Yeah, I mean, you are projecting um, a lot. I just wouldn't. I just wouldn't go there. It, it, you're. I mean, unless you just, you know, if you're retired and you don't have enough to <laughs> to do in a day, yeah, I, I can find yeah. enough other things. And and by the way, that one is just so out there. There would have to. 
there's not enough data to really make a, a decision. Everybody thought that the economy was, you know, everything was going to go to crap when uh, Trump got elected. That's what they thought. Yeah, I got calls at three in the morning, three in the morning on election night. And everybody just thought everything was just going to go away. And uh, I'm like, no, 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 no. Hang on. The uh, that that just it's not that likely. And you don't have enough experience. Nobody's got enough experience to, to be able to take back and look back and project into the future, which is exactly what you're trying to do. You're trying to project into the future what's going to happen. You're trying to anticipate. I'm going to tell you. Don't anticipate. You need to have an idea, a plan in place so that you'll know what to do when and if whatever happens, happens. You got to be prepared, kind of like the Boy Scouts. Well, okay. Uh, this is another uh, okay, political geographic question of, of sorts. Do you see that uh, what's going to happen when uh, coronavirus is all over and the world takes note of or actually takes action on what's the Chinese are accused of doing. You see a big uh, blowback on that or not? Well, see, here, here's the thing. That's another one of those questions. You love to answer questions that you can't possibly answer. <laughs> and by the way, that that's an American thing, I think. It's probably a people thing. The because, uh, but I don't know a whole lot of people outside of America. The uh, at the bottom line is you won't know. And, and by the time yeah. you figure it out, it's going to be too late. Who would have thought that the stock market would have come back this far this fast? Did you predict that? No, I didn't expect why, it. Well, why, why not? I, didn't predict it. I, I expected to snap back. What I was astounded at how quickly it fell. That's what really blew me away. Yeah, well, see, that, so you got surprised twice. And, yeah, uh, and yeah. by the way, there's, no, there's nothing saying that it can't go back down. Nothing. No, of course. So the bottom line is, you know, you need to focus on the things that you can control and sure, sure. spending the kind of time thinking on, on what may happen, you know, in the realm of all possibilities, all things are possible. And sure there, I have seen so many things that happened that just didn't seem like they could happen, but, uh, and they happened anyway. So that's why you need to know, uh, you need to know what you're going to do. Forget about trying to predict the future. That's that. That's this whole conversation has been about trying to predict the future. It's not worth your time. What is worth your time is is figuring out what you would do in response to anything that might happen. We get a big correction. I know what I'm going to do. We get a big increase in stock prices. I know what I'm going to do. I don't have to know when. I just need to know what I'm going to do. Hey, I got to take a real quick break, Jerry. But thanks for calling. I really appreciate it. And uh, thank you. It's always interesting to speak with you. I. uh, Hope I didn't. No, you're you're good. We're good. I hope I wasn't too hard on you. Yeah. No, I was like you. Take care. All right. Goodbye. You're listening to Bill Bullington. I'll be back after these commercial messages. He doesn't know any other way. Somebody tell him that the loss I saved. Somebody tell him that he's dead. Listen to Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. Um, you can also go to my website if you'd like to call or would like to try to set up a, a free get acquainted meeting. I can show you kind of what we do, why we do it. 
You know what? And I forgot. I put together some research this week. I'll have to talk about it next week. But it is pretty significant. It, it's pretty cool. Um, I'm a... I'm amazed at how much the financial services market continues to evolve and change, and it's pretty. Uh, it's actually getting better. So anyway, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But I got to get to the phones right now. I've got Bob. Bob, you've been waiting patiently. Thank you very much. Good morning, Bill. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Not bad. Hey, as we uh, maybe move to a more cashless society with mm-hmm. all the uh, credit cards and things, right? What do you? What do you feel for the the credit markets? Who out there is going to do better on transactional? The PayPal kind of group or the Visa, Mastercard? Well, discover. Yeah, Visa and Mastercard have about eighty five percent of the market share in that business right now. Uh, so, and their valuations are really high. So the expectations are really high there. So I, I own Discover Financial Services. Um, I saw there was a stock that came up on my scan the other day, the, uh, and it was, uh, I have to go look it up and then talk about it later, but discover is not nearly as big in the payment uh, processes. They, and they do a lot of traditional lending and banking. So their profit margins are not quite as high, but they're still huge. And I own the stock at like, I, I bought it in the mid sixties. Um, it got up to 90 something. Then it, this pandemic hit got all the way down to 26 <laughs> and I was, I bought more of it at 45. <laughs> I bought, a, I bought more of it again. I was trying to get my cost down. I'm fine. I got my cost down. So I'm now I'm now profitable on the position, although the position is a lot larger than I would have liked it to be, <laughs> <laughs> but I couldn't believe it. It goes down. I bought it one day at, at 45. I think this thing's 50% off. And the next day it's down to like 26. <laughs> And I was just like, wow. So, oh, uh, here we go. So I, I added more to it. And right now it's it's profitable for me um, because I got my cost basis down. But I, I like their business model. It's kind of a cross between a, a bank and a credit card company. And uh, they do a lot of the payment services, the same things that Visa and MasterCard does. Uh, the valuation is significantly lower than their valuations are. It pays a decent dividend. So that kind of stuff, that, that's, um, that's what, you know, I'll hang on to it. it it's not more than 3% of my uh, total assets. So that, you know, it started off like one and got up to three pretty quick, <laughs> pretty quickly. It might actually be a little bit over that right now because the, uh, it has been doing fairly well over the past few weeks. But there's a. Well, what, about the, what about the PayPal Square One type of. Uh... Uh, you know, Square is the one that uh, I think I think there's probably enough room there. PayPal, um, I actually talked about on a radio show uh, probably three years ago. I think it was selling around in the low to mid 30s when they got spun out of eBay. But the uh, that is hilarious. Can you hear that in the background? No. Oh, good. That's my somebody's calling me on my cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, uh, PayPal is a little uh, is a little pricey for for my taste. The um, I'm not at, at this point. You know, it, it's gone. It's up. I don't know, 300 percent from where I was. You know, looking at it a couple of years ago. Good company. Uh, I just like to try to get a, a better price on it than that. But uh, so I guess I, I like that space a lot. Um, the other one that you were talking about, I think was was it Stripe? Um, I don't know. There there are a couple of others, smaller players in that market. Uh, I think maybe worth a, a shot. 
Uh, it's not a really big space because Visa and MasterCard are just so dominant and they're so big and they, they cut deals. I'm, you know, they, they've got, uh, economies of scale in their favor. So, but, uh, so do you agree that we're probably going to do a lot more credit oh, items like big time. rather than? Big? Yeah. I'll tell you the industry that's really going to benefit from that. There are a couple of them. Uh, the, in, uh, surgical companies that, that put out the equipment that, that does surgeries online. They, that's been around for a while. Well, that's going to get a lot more attention now. Uh, the technology companies that make the doctor's visits in your home, uh, available, that'll benefit. The industry that, that, that all ties back to is really the semiconductors because that's all going over 5G. You got to have super quick speeds when you're doing surgery. <laughs> when you're doing a remote surgery, when the surgeon's actually controlling a robot from a, a space, that's, you can imagine how fast that's got to be and, and how much data that stuff has to take in and process. So that's what I like about that, uh, the uh, semiconductor space especially, because they're the, they're the direct benefactors, uh, beneficiaries of that. Many of them are. So what are you saying for the 5G people? What are you looking at there? Semiconductors. I, I think they get the, uh, they'll have the best um, chance to take advantage of, of the changes that have been. They were already coming before all this happened. Uh, this is just speeding it up a little bit, you know. So I think it's a, uh, uh, a direct beneficiary. Uh, the services people want to get at, at some point in time, you're going to have a device in your house. It's going to be wireless and it will actually contain like the information that's on your phone and it's going to share it. You're going to have that. That's going to be stored in the cloud. So you'll have an IP address or some identifier that identifies you. And whenever you get a new device, it's going to ask you if you want to add it to that so that you can access it by talking to it. Like when you come into your house, I, I can talk to my house now. The, uh, actually, a little spooky thinking they're listening to everything I'm saying, but you can, I can control my television, my, my stove, my refrigerator. You can turn the lights on and off, uh, can lock the house. You know, the, uh, all that stuff is available. It's kind of expensive right now, but like the cost of all technology, that's going to be dropping like a rock. And you know, that, that's the wave of the future. And the semiconductors are such a nice space. And the valuations on a lot of the semiconductor stocks, they're only like three or four times revenues. That's not a lot for that type of business. And uh, I, you know, I feel bad. I, I feel like I'm back in 1996 when I first started the radio show and I was talking about this little company you may have heard of called Qualcomm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, it was four years before that stock actually took off. And it was one of the best performing stocks I've ever owned. And it stayed in a trading range of 40%. 40% up and down for four years. <laughs> That's what it's like to be early, by the way. <laughs> when you know something before everybody else does, see, the problem is you know something before everybody else does. <laughs> and you're going to have to wait until that until that opinion is widespread so that they all jump in on the stock and push it way up. In the meantime, you're going to look like a fool. <laughs> <laughs> But that's just the way it goes. And I know you understand all that stuff really well because you've been around a long time. You've seen a lot of stuff. And uh, by the way, Glue Mobile came up on one of my scans again lately. Every time I uh, think about that stock, I think about you. (laughs) 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 uh, All right. I'll let you go. All right. Well, hey, have a good weekend. All right. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. 
And right now I've got, hey, Brad, is this you? Yeah, how you doing this morning, Bill? Good. Hey, thanks for uh, calling in. I wish we had uh, more time. That call went a little longer than I would have liked it to. I'd, I, I kind of prefaced it earlier in the show uh, explaining that if something happens to me that uh, you're actually in my secession plan. <laughs> And that you're and, uh, and uh and that's uh kind of works uh, both ways. Uh, I've got uh, a business continuation plan here uh, that says call bill if anything happens to me. So yeah. I I sometimes I don't know if people uh realize that that's required of investment advisors in the state of Ohio uh that you have a secession plan. And uh I the only reason I wanted to bring that up today was cuz I you know people have been asking me about it. Uh, recently, I'm not sure why. Maybe because of the coronavirus. Who knows? But the uh, but yeah, we have a really good plan in place. And I was explaining how uh, you and I think very similarly, and which is really important. I think if you're going to run a uh, investment advisory practice, um, your clients almost have to be on the same wavelength that you are. Uh, they're not going to spend absolutely. Yeah, um, and th- there's a lot of stuff to go over. And uh, markets, you and I know better than anybody I know, just how much markets have changed since we first met and first started doing this. I think, what's it? It's over 20 years now. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that earlier today. And uh, you started the show talking about uh, how the whole investment process uh, is is about education. And uh, that's how you and I met, was through uh, an investors club that was uh, was dedicated to uh, educating uh, individual investors and uh, i believe that was in the early 90s yep <laughs> so you you and i have been friends and and had a business relationship in excess of 25 years <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> that that that's Hard a lot longer than the average marriage i'll bet <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> Hard to believe. I don't know if we'll make it another 25 but we're still going strong so yep yep absolutely and uh one of the roles Brad plays for Bullington Capital is there are certain models I know that uh, I need to test and I don't have time. So I call Brad. Brad, hey, can you run this up for me? And, and he does. It works out really, really well. And I uh, just want to give you a, a nod of appreciation uh, for, for being there and, and taking care of that, that stuff. So it, that, that's been a big help over the years. Well, I appreciate that very much, Bill. Uh, that's a two-way street as well. Uh, you and I have worked together, uh, again, for about 25 years here, and uh, it's been uh, great to have a sounding board, and uh, we've shared uh, strategies and co-developed strategies and models uh, oh, man, for a lot of years. It, and th- yeah, it's accelerated my learning curve big time. Yeah, same here. And, and to have somebody, as you uh, said, who uh, thinks similarly and uh, uses similar tools and techniques, uh, it really has been invaluable. So uh, I appreciate uh, uh, everything that uh, you, uh, you've done for me as well. So it's two-way street for sure. Uh, thanks. I appreciate that. Hey, man, I, I, we're going to have to get you back on uh, in the next couple of weeks here because i got to run. I, I ran out of time. I'm sorry. The, no, have... no worries, Bill. Have a great afternoon. Thanks. You too. And thanks for listening, everybody. It's Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon on 1420. Also available on the Fishes podcast and my website, BullingtonCapital.com. Have a good week of investing and good luck. 0700. That's 330-664-0700. Or online at BullingtonCapital.com. That's BullingtonCapital.com. The preceding program has been paid for by Bullington Capital Management, LLC.